Squad Vancouver pregame, postgame, every game presented by Bodog from sports odds to free casino games. Make a play at Bodog.net. Wadden and J-Pad here with you. Special edition Canada Day version of the show. And of course, NHL free agency opening today. Now, free agency doesn't just close after uh, a certain window. It'll go on throughout uh, the summer here, J-Pat, but some significant moves by the Canucks today. They nabbed two defensemen and a forward. I'll give you the honors to let the people know. Well, I think the people know. I mean, rink-wide listeners, they're in the know. I just wonder, do we have to stand for the national anthem before we start this thing? Is that how this works? Do you want me to no. sing it? No. Do you want me to sing it? No. I can do it in French. not. No, thanks. Uh, it's the thought that counts, but uh, let's just leave it there. Uh, yeah, look, the Canucks were linked to all of these players. Uh, we had talked about them. Others had written about them. You know, this doesn't come as a surprise. You connect the dots in this business. And uh, certainly two of the three players, the, the big three that the Canucks signed, and I use big with a, a lowercase b, because, uh, look, they showed fiscal restraint. They didn't have a lot of money to spend, but they didn't blow the bank. I, I, I wish we could all go back in a time machine and the last GM could have had a July 1st or two like this one. Uh, it would have been in a probably in a different course uh, right now, uh, the Vancouver Canucks. But look, yeah, Ian Cole and Teddy Bluger, both uh, strong connections to this regime from the time in Pittsburgh. Ian Cole won a couple of cups with Rick Tockett and and that group, and Teddy Bluger was drafted by the Pittsburgh Penguins, a second rounder back in 2012. And Carson Soucy was a guy that uh, we knew the Canucks had some interest in. Six foot five, 210 pounds, big, strong defenseman, physical uh, decent underlying numbers just down the road in Seattle. And we know Rick Tockett certainly loved that uh, giant defense core that won the Stanley Cup with the Vegas Golden Knights. So, you know, I don't think there's anything terribly surprising in what the Vancouver Canucks did. But I will say this, that, you know, I, I think they spent their money wisely. They didn't commit term other than to Susie. And to get two of the three guys on one-year deals, like if they don't pan out, big deal. You saw this with a guy like Curtis Lazar last year that, you know, you take a a sort of a a swing. If it doesn't work out, you might even be able to turn around and pedal one or both of them before the trade deadline and try to recoup something there. But that's not the idea. They're bringing these guys in to help the hockey club for next year. And it's a team that needs help. We know that, particularly on the penalty kill. And that much is obvious that, you know, and, and we spent some time on Friday's podcast ahead of free agency saying that whatever the Canucks did here was going to be done through this lens of helping the worst penalty kill in the National Hockey League. Did it get to 70%? Yeah, in the end, it reached 70%, but that wasn't good enough. And even under Rick Tockett, it was still 21st in the National Hockey League. So bottom third uh, over the 36 games after the coaching change. So still lots of room for improvement. Carson Soucy should be able to help there. Ian Cole, that's something that he has done throughout his career. And Teddy Bluger is, you know, is he a perfect 3C? I would say no, but penalty killing is one of his strong suits. And this is a guy that's gotten better in the last couple of years in his career in the faceoff circle, particularly while shorthanded. So, you know, win the draw, clear the puck, kill the first 15 or 20 seconds of every penalty, and it's going to make your life that much easier. So, you know, I would say that the Canucks accomplished a lot of what they set out to do. Uh, the big question remains, like, how much better ultimately do these three players make the Vancouver Canucks? We're going to hear from Patrick Alvin in just a moment here, but I want to talk about Teddy Bluger for just a second because we did... Uh, we talked about all these guys uh, on uh, recent pods recently, but Teddy Bluger as a 3C, are we getting enough offense if you're the Vancouver Canucks out of him? And that's the concern, right? Like, in my mind, no, but Patrick Alvin seems to think that there is some more to give there. Uh, this is a guy that started the year in Pittsburgh, got traded to Vegas, played six playoff games, 
you know, was a black ace for the most part, though. But he was around the team that won the Stanley Cup. And, and so I put some value in that to sort of be in that environment, to know what it takes day in, day out. You know, it certainly isn't going to hurt a guy as he makes the jump now to a, a new team. But we've talked about this. You've got Elias Pettersson. He's backed up by JT Miller. Those are your one and two. And then it seems like, you know, a considerable drop-off. I, I'd like a guy that brings a little bit more offense, but certainly Nils Amon was not the 3C. So I think... I guess it's all about perspective. I do think Teddy Bluger is an upgrade on Nils Amon as a third center option, but is he a third center on a you know a really good team, a team that's going to be able to push for the playoffs? And that's where I come back to this question that I do think that these signings all help the Vancouver Canucks. I just don't know that they make them good enough to be a definite. Like I can't write the Canucks in above the playoff bar in in ballpoint pen. I might pencil them in, and you know it's a hope that they're going to be a playoff team next year. Um, but I, I still think that a lot of the questions that we have about this hockey club still remain, and one of them is that depth down the middle. And is Teddy Bluger enough of an upgrade to really be considered a legit three C? What does it tell you about how far they are away from a Stanley Cup team when Teddy Bluger potentially could be your three C and he was a black ace? For the Vegas Golden Knights as well. Yep. So interesting there. All right, let's hear from Patrick Alvin on the big three signings. Leading up to this day, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, uh, again, one thing that we uh, uh, prioritized was was our back and uh, getting a little bit bigger, heavier uh, PK guys and and in uh, Carson Soucy and uh, Ian Cole. Uh, their playoff experience and, and cold uh, cup winning pedigree there uh, played a really good strong year in Tampa last year so uh, we were happy um, we had uh, um, phone calls with them right away at nine o'clock um, Adam Foot and, and Rick talked and myself uh, so so that went really well um, and then we were looking for uh, a, a a center um, again, Teddy Bluger, uh, a player that I'm familiar with uh, over the years, and it was part of drafting him. Um, again, a, a player that uh, uh, showed us uh, through the years that he's uh, a guy you can trust in the in the PK situations. Uh, uh, for him being part of a Stanley Cup winning team uh, <clears throat> in, in Vegas, I think he learned a lot. Um, also being a black ace when when we in Pittsburgh uh, won won a cup cups back then, so um, he was really excited about the opportunity and the familiarity with uh, with the coaching staff. Well, I mean, they did get bigger on the blue line. Did they get better? Yeah, I think so. But at the same time, too, are these the right guys? Because to me, these look like a lot of five and sixes as opposed to you know one through four. Yeah, look, I don't want to discount Ian Cole. I think this guy has shown, even at 34, that he's been able to keep his play at a relatively high level. Uh, He's bounced around. He's got this experience. I think it's 116 playoff games, including the two Cups in Pittsburgh, uh, and played a lot for Tampa last year. Like, he wasn't a bit piece. He was one of their top four guys down in Tampa. So... He's heavy too. Like for six one, he's he's two twenty. Right, and and I think that surprises. It certainly surprised me when I you know I don't think of him necessarily as kind of this big body, but but not tall, but thick and and you know able to win battles, and they're going to want that. Susie's obviously got the height at six five. Um, so, I, like I, I share your concern about Carson Susie. I want to give the guy every opportunity, but he was perfectly slotted as a third pair defenseman in Minnesota. Was effective there. Picked up by Seattle. He had two good seasons in Seattle. 
But this is the danger that you see a guy that plays well on a third pair somewhere else and you think, oh, he just needs an opportunity and he's going to jump at it. And so, you know, I, I do think that they see him as a top four guy. I'm talking about Susie here. Now, if he's paired with Philip Ronick, that's pretty good insulation. Like, Philip Ronick is a top four defenseman. So, you know, can he mop up if there are some mistakes? Sure. And there's going to be some mistakes. You know, Susie's not the fastest guy at six foot five. You know, but I, I just think after what we saw with the Canucks trying to run out OEL as a second pair guy for much of last season, that 28 to 31, like you've got Carson Soucy for what should be the prime years of his career. Like, you know, it's not a long, long-term commitment. It's not a huge dollar commitment either. So I'm, I'm all right with it. I just, I need to see that he can handle 20, 22 minutes a night, you know, tough minutes on the penalty kill uh, and, and bring that physicality that they're expecting of him. You know, I do think, as it slots right now, that you're looking at Ian Cole probably getting the inside track to play with Quinn Hughes, at least to start the season. Again, veteran guy who has been in that role. Uh, you know, he's played a ton of places. I think this is his eighth organization. And uh, he's got a reputation as, uh, you know, just sort of that thorough professional, a guy that, you know, comes prepared, shows other guys what it means to be in the league and to stay in the league. And, and it, not everybody stays in the league till 34. So, you know, it does say something about the fact that he's still able to command 3 million bucks. It was a one-year deal. So again, relatively low risk in that regard. It's the third straight year that uh, Ian Cole has taken a, a one-year ticket here. And if that's your top four, Quinn Hughes with Ian Cole, Carson Soucy with Philip Ronick, when you think back, I mean, the Canucks used 16 different defensemen last year. It, it does represent an upgrade. But almost anything was going to represent an upgrade. That's the concern, right? Like, and so it's all relative here. How much better? I, I, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm dumping on these guys because I do think they make the Canucks better. But, you know, we just watched Vegas put together a run of the Stanley Cup. You know, there wasn't a weakness among their defenders. How many of these guys would have been able to crack the Vegas Golden Knights top six? And I think that's a, a fair and legitimate question. So uh, we'll see how it goes. You know, the penalty kill, even if it gets to anywhere close to league average, would be this fundamental shift for the Canucks after being 31st and 32nd. So uh, you heard Alvin say, like, a lot of this was done with an eye to the penalty kill. You know, there's a little bit of pressure now. I think these guys understand that they were signed, that this is what they're supposed to bring to this mix. And so it's going to be up to them now to to make sure that that penalty kill is better. But if, you know, if Teddy Bluger can take a little bit of the pressure off, you know, Elias Pettersson, and JT Miller, so that they don't have to be the first guys up on the penalty kill. You can roll their minutes back a little bit in that regard, and then, you know, that allows them to be more productive five-on-five or on the power play. You know, there is sort of a trickle-down effect if you can get some penalty-killing specialists into the lineup here. So, you know, on the the surface, I, I think it does make sense. Again, I just think, like, you know, the Canucks didn't overhaul their roster here on July 1st. Not that anybody was expecting them to. They brought in some complimentary pieces. Are those complementary pieces going to be good enough to hang with the big boys in the Pacific Division and the Western Conference? Susie's first year uh, with Seattle, and of course, Seattle's uh, inaugural season in the NHL. He averaged 1740 of ice time, which is the most he's averaged in his career. Went down to 1618 last year. Feels like he was getting more opportunity in that first year uh, with Seattle. And of course, they're trying to find their footing in the NHL. 10 goals that year, which is remarkable for him considering uh, he did it in 64 games and he only had 16 total points last year 
last year. Did you say 10 goals from a defenseman? From a defenseman? Yeah, double digits, double <laughs> digits, baby. So you got to like that. But, you know, maybe the uh, Canucks think that they, they, have, they can get more out of Carson Soucy, and uh, the GM acknowledged that today. I think uh, Carson Soucy would, uh, again, would, would go on sure and foot. I, I'm, I believe that he can uh, take his game to another level, too. Uh, he's still young, um, or young, fairly young, uh, turning 29 here shortly. But his size, uh, his ability to skate, and I think he's uh, another guy that uh, two years ago scored 10 goals. Uh, but definitely uh, a, a guy that we can use uh, in, in a top four role. But also depending on how uh, the coaches want to run the bench, different matchups, opportunity, depending on who you play against. Yeah, and we knew that his name was one of the ones that the Canucks were were pursuing. But like, do you, do you think they made the right picks today? I know that you know not every maybe some guys they were going for they couldn't get. I know Miles Wood was one of those names that everyone was talking about. He ends up signing elsewhere. Do, do you think that they did well with the signings that they got? Like in terms of. Um, you know, the guys that they were pursuing and, you know, they're the right I mean, Everyone would want the best player available, just not going to be able to to get it, especially when you have you know, your hands tied with the salary cap. Right. right. Like, I, I don't think they were ever a player on Dmitry Orlov. I think Orlov, yeah. you know, he wanted to stay in the East. He wanted to handpick uh, his landing spot. He wanted to go to a contender and all that kind of stuff. And so I don't think that was ever an option. So of the affordable candidates, the ones that kind of met the criteria of the things they were looking for. Yeah, again, I think this was a, su- a successful day. They didn't overspend. I mean, you can quibble with, you know, three and a quarter for Carson Soucy, but it's not six million bucks. It's, you know, and, and they've been down that road on free agency day in the recent past. So, um, you know, I, I, again, I come back to the fact that Carson Soucy at his age, these are his prime years. Like if you're going to gamble on a guy, three years, three million bucks, for his prime years, I hope it works out. And I, I think it will. I think Carson Soucy, to me, does fit the bill because Quinn Hughes and Philip Ronick are going to take care of the power play. He doesn't have to worry about any of that. Like, his whole focus is coming in here and defending and trying to make the Canucks tougher to play against in their own zone, uh, block some shots, throw some hits, uh, all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, just play up to your size. And so, uh, you know... Yeah, I, 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 I'm excited for Susie. You know, is he the perfect player? No, but the 3.25 sort of reflects that. You know, Ian Cole, I, I'm kind of curious. Again, he's played most of his career in the East, and I'm familiar with the player, but I, I can't sit here and say that like I know everything about Ian Cole and what's made him successful, but I, I do have respect for, you know, any of those guys. The Luke Shen's of the world, too, and I was happy to see Luke Shen cash in the way that he did. You know, to be able to continue to play at a relatively high level into your mid thirties, um, you know, to me it speaks to his preparation and his readiness. And he's been durable. If you look through his career, like this guy doesn't miss a lot of games. So he uh, talked about that in his uh, presser. Yeah. <laughs> but he yeah. was like, oh, "You better watch it there, right? <laughs> Touch wood when you say that." Yeah, uh, no with Susi, with Susi as well. Uh, I mean, it's going to be an easy move for him, right? He yep. just. Two-hour drive to get up to Vancouver. Well, and he's a Viking Alberta guy too. So we think of the Sutter's Viking, but you know, Western Canadian went to played college in Minnesota, started with the Wild, but yeah, two years in Seattle, now up the I five here. So uh, some familiarity, at least uh, geographically, uh, in that regard. So you know, again, the, the Canucks need help on the back end. Um, the same question still exists, though, beyond these newcomers. Akito Hirose, where does he fit in? Uh, you know, what does the rest of that right side look like? I guess Tyler Myers is in the mix for now, but, you know, is there a, a, 
a depth guy beyond Tyler Myers? Do they carry eight defensemen out of training camp? All that's going to be determined. Uh, but it's so clear listening to Patrick Alvine, and I was there at Rogers Arena, you know, the full press conference, and he mentioned it a couple of times, but we played the one clip. Like, I, I do think that Alvine, you know, he was trying to suggest that there was some real interest around the league from players and agents to play for Rick Tockett and Adam Foote, and this belief that, Rick Tockett and his structure and his system and Adam Foote having a full season starting with a training camp, you know, these guys really are going to be able to put their stamp that maybe they, you know, they were here for 36 games. We know that 36 sort of meaningless games down the stretch, but I think starting from day one of training camp, the belief in the organization is that Rick Tockett is the head coach, Adam Foote is his sheriff there uh, beside him. You know, they're going to crack the whip and this team will be tighter than it was uh, certainly last year under Bruce Boudreau, uh, the way that they began the season. Yeah, Tockett talked about that in a in a recent interview, how he liked the fact that they were able to uh, implement the structure uh, or late in the season there, and, and, it, and they think it's going to bode well for them as they, you know, sort of move forward into this season. Uh, with Ian Cole, yeah, he is a, he's a pro. 748 games played, 116 playoff games, uh, like you mentioned, has bounced around the league uh, to a few different teams. Uh, Patrick Alvin acknowledged that Ian Cole is a true professional. I think that the obviously his, his character, very very professional, how he take care of his body and how he understands the game too. Uh, just a great team guy. Uh, again, a, a guy that has a playoff experience and and uh, really good helping out of younger players uh, how to become a pro, what it takes, and day to day. And I think getting a guy like that in with his age could show the younger players how you take care of your body and how you prepare for the next game. And if the Canucks are sellers at the deadline next year, Ian Cole and Teddy Bluger could be two of those guys that teams could be looking for. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I said, like, that's not why they brought them in. And I know that we also heard that, you know, with the cap expected to go up, that there was a lot of interest on the players and agents part to do one-year deals this year just to get them to this time next year where maybe there'll be more money in the system. So, you know, it makes perfect sense, but that is one of the trickle-downs that if things go sideways, they don't work out for the player or the team, that both of those players probably could be trade chips that you could play the way that they did with Curtis Lazar last year. So I like that sort of as a a bit of a a fail-safe with these deals. Carson Soucy, obviously three years, they're not looking at peddling him uh, in year number one. So yeah, I mean, we'll see where it goes. But, uh, you know, from people that I've seen talking about Ian Cole, I know that there was the quick suspension at the start of last season. And, you know, we shouldn't gloss over that. But the league did do its investigation. Uh, He was accused of sexual assault and uh, it could never be substantiated, and the suspension didn't last long. He was reinstated and played, and then there was, you know, stories coming out about burner accounts and sort of uh, a witch hunt and whatever the case. So uh, it's on his record, but he seemed to put that behind him and played. Uh, I think those were the games that he missed. He played the seventy-eight games last year. Uh, it was the games early on, and you know, we'll see. He's back in the. He spent most of his career in the East, but. Uh, there have been a couple of stops uh, in the West, but uh, this is as far West as he has ever come uh, to the West Coast to play. So uh, be a bit of a shift in that regard for him, but uh, veteran guy, uh, and it sounds like uh, for the most part uh, can fit in in just about any environment in any locker room. Yeah, kicked off his career in the West uh, playing for St. Louis, but you're right. Uh, he's gone all the way West now. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, 
Vancouver. All right, Teddy Bluger is one of those guys, as I mentioned, you know, don't know uh, he's going to give you enough offense at 3C. Just 35 goals in 268 uh, career games, but the GM thinks that uh, he's got more to give. No, I think he's capable. I mean, he had a down year in, in goals last year. Um, but I, I believe that he's capable of, of scoring, you know, I don't know, 10 to 15 goals or being around 15 goals. That, that's what I see him. He's a really dependable player, um, very detailed, high hockey IQ. Um, you know, his, his face-offs uh, on, on PK this year were 55%. So it was really, uh, really impressive. He looks and sounds like a 4C to me. So maybe there might be some trade activity. Maybe the Canucks aren't done yet. Oh, I don't think you're ever done as a general manager. And I think Patrick Alvin sort of acknowledged that. He joked when he was asked about the trademark and he said trademark it. Um, and coming through the draft <laughs> where there really wasn't a whole lot of trade activity. Um, but, you know, you're always looking. This is a day on the calendar. Uh, and generally it's a day for spending. But, you know, now you get back at it and, and make those phone calls and continue on and pick up on conversations you've had. Just back to, to Bluger for a sec. You know, career best 28 points was the year before this one. And we said this year was split between Pittsburgh and Vegas. But in 21-22 with the Penguins, he played 65 games and had 28 points. So, you know, you prorate that. If you'd played all 82 games, that probably puts him in the 35 to 40 point range, which all of a sudden looks a little bit better. So he only played the 65 games that year. He's got to play a full season and then leave his mark. But I'm with you. I'm not expecting, I know... I mean, Alvin said 10. I would like to think that double digits is a possibility for him. Um, Goal scoring wasn't an issue for the Vancouver Canucks. And, you know, when I look at their roster, um, you know, I think we can all, just based on what they've got now, and again, it's July 1st, and they don't get a training camp until September 21st or whatever it is. But, you know, based on the players they have on their roster, you know, Pedersen, Kuzmenko, Beauvillier, Miller with Mikheyev and Besser perhaps, you know, what does that leave for Teddy Bluger as a third line? You're going to have Connor Garland uh, on one side, uh, you know, Phil Giuseppe, or, you know, like you, you want to believe that this guy can level up offensively, but part of it is who is he playing with, right? And, um, you know, so that'll be interesting to see what are the pieces and, uh, you know, he's like Dakota Joshua played some third line, you know, could he be a third line guy? Maybe. Um, I, I, again, I, I, Teddy Luger's an upgrade on Nils Amon. It'll take some of the pressure off Nils Amon to worry about the offensive side of his game. You know, if he's the fourth line center, then he can focus more on trying to round out his faceoffs and, you know, match up and, and just focusing more on the defensive side of things. But no, I, I totally, I share your concern. Like I, this is not a, a finished product as a hockey club. And I just, I, to me, Teddy Bluger, he can fit some of the needs of this team and certainly on the penalty kill. But yeah, I mean, but again, at, at his price point, and that's the money that they had to devote to that position right here, right now, it all comes back to, you know, for me, okay, so they bring in two defensemen and they bring in this third line center they still have this log jam on the wings. Like the glut of wingers that the Vancouver Canucks have, they've got to sort that out. So that sort of comes back to your question about, you know, is Patrick Elvin done? But in the same breath, he's been trying to move wingers for a year and a half and there's just not much of a market there and they haven't given any away. So they still maintain them all. But, you know, that's where the stockpile and the surplus and, 
you know, that doesn't even, like, I, I just kind of went through the roster there. Yeah, I didn't mention Hoaglander, didn't mention Pod Coles. And like, you know, those guys are yeah. possibilities too. But, you know, does the idea of Vasily Pod Coles and playing with Teddy Bluger, like, does that sound like a combination for explosive offense, you know, from your third line? Uh, I'm not sure that I'd go down that road. Yeah, I'm wondering about that with the third line too. Like, you know, where does Hoaglander fit here? Where does Pod Colson fit here? Is Connor Garland going to be able to get shipped out? You know, uh, obviously Anthony Beauvillier is going into his final year. Maybe he can be a trade chip uh, as well. And but yeah, that that it just seems like it's still a glaring hole at three C. And I, I I would hope they're not done. I would hope they're still trying to to upgrade there because if you put Bluger because Bluger's played the wing as well. Like you could have him on your fourth line. You could have him and Nils Amon and and you know Dakota Joshua maybe being your fourth line. And to me that would be a decent fourth line. But yeah, again. Uh, don't think the Canucks are done here, but at the same time, too, we, we'll get to fan reaction here because a lot of people are asking, well, how the hell can they afford all these guys? They're now over the cap. Well, they can still make moves and they can also be 10% over the cap as well. Um, two players we didn't talk about, Matt Irwin, uh, local product of, of Victoria, excuse me, Victoria boy, BC product, and uh, Zach Sachenko. <laughs> Yes. Sachenko, is that they say yeah. that right? Yeah, yeah, there it is. Yeah, uh, a goaltender that they got in the system as well. I mean, Matt Irwin, that's a name that I think a lot of NHL fans will know. He's been around the block a few times, but uh, to me, good depth piece. You know, it's funny, and I tweeted this out when Twitter was feeling like working uh, through the day. Uh, Matt Irwin's just one of those guys I always kind of thought would find his way back to Vancouver somehow, some way. Like, you know, I watched him play in San Jose, I watched him play in Nashville. Uh, you know, he spent time in the West and I just, BC boy. And I just kind of thought, yeah, someday it wouldn't surprise me. So it didn't shock me, but I, it wasn't a name that had been linked to the Canucks here at all leading into free agency. Uh, but it's kind of cool. You know, he's an Island guy, training camp in Victoria, played uh, the BC Hockey League in Nanaimo. But you're right. Like he played 60 games for the Washington Capitals last season. Like, you know, yeah. So, yeah, okay, under the radar. What The guy played 60 games in the NHL last year. He's coming to battle for a spot. Like, I don't, you know, he's a depth guy. And Patrick Levine was asked about him and said, like, you know, it'll be up to him, obviously, uh, the kind of camp that he has. But not an afterthought at all. Like, uh, he might be one of those guys that, you know, stays on the roster, is a plug-and-play guy. He's not going to be in your top six, I don't think. But again, not a complete write-off. So I don't mind the signing. Like, he's just, he's a, a depth guy who's been around the block and played a lot of games in the National Hockey League. Uh, Sachenko, you know, I, I don't know a lot about the guy. He played in Moose Jaw, then went to the Canadian College route for a couple of years. Has played seven NHL games for the San Jose Sharks, but otherwise, you know, has been an American Hockey Leaguer. And so that Canucks depth starting goal is a little confusing to me. Like, I don't know where he slots in, because remember, they also brought in the guy from Belarus, or Belarus um, late in the season. And I kind of thought he might be the backup in Abbotsford, big guy. Tolapilo, right? Tol- yeah. Yeah, Tolapilo. Yeah. So I don't know where Sachenko fits into this, having, you know, American Hockey League and a little bit of NHL experience. But whatever. I mean, the Vegas Golden Knights showed you can never have too many goaltenders in your system. You, you might need them all at some point uh, in the same season. And that worked out okay for Vegas. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know much about the player or sort of where he falls in all of this. But, uh, you know, we talked about the fact that the Canucks went through the draft and didn't bring a goaltender into the system. So I kind of thought maybe uh, they thought that, you know, they sort of had their slots allotted for the time being. But Whatever the case, they've added themselves uh, another depth guy, and we'll see how the dust settles there uh, in the goal crease. Yeah, Colin Delia going to Winnipeg. He got himself a one-way deal on that as well. So I believe that was the sticking point with Colin Delia 
uh, returning to the Vancouver Canucks organization. But uh, yeah, new goalie in the system for the Canucks. Three new defensemen in the system, one new forward. Let's hear from the fans here on the other side, rink-wide Vancouver. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience, whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. In case you haven't heard on any of our recent podcasts, we did welcome in a new sponsor, the Applewood Auto Group. Welcome them on board. And of course, it's all good at Applewood. Let's hear from the fans a little bit here, though, J-Pat, because uh, we asked right away on our Twitter account. Yeah, and our Twitter account's still working. It hasn't exceeded anything <laughs> just yet. I'll let you know uh, if it does fall apart. But uh, we asked the fans, you know, if they, what, if they liked the Canucks uh, signings. And it was just at the moment, uh, Susie, Cole, and Bluger that had signed. And those are the, the big ones for the Canucks uh, today as well. Ron says, honestly, looks like some tidy work. Added lots of depth without getting silly with the term. I think I'd agree with that as well. Uh, Chris says, tidy bit of business as well. Um Farmer Josh says, figured there'd be an overpayment on Susie, but I like the deals. Fill out the needs on D and 3C, not long-term contracts. So, I mean, most people are into the signings here, uh, you know, and agreeing with it. I think a lot of the people are, are, are saying what you said off the top, like, hey, at least they didn't give out a whole bunch of term, which is what we've seen uh, from the regime of the past. Yeah, and again, the system is what it is. A lot of teams pretty close to capped out in the flat cap world, so... You know, when I look at the league as a whole, you know, there maybe general managers are finally getting the hang of this. And, and, you know, I thought for the most part, deals made sense. There were a couple of big contracts, as you always are going to expect on, on July the 1st. But, you know, I, I think you can justify just about uh, every dollar that was spent. Like, you know, I mean, you know, I, I'm glad for a guy like Luke Chen. I, I, it wasn't the right deal for the Vancouver Canucks, but... Uh, you know, for Nashville, Barry Trotz coming in there, trying to put his stamp on the organization. Interesting that they move out Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne and in the same week then bring in, you know, two absolute rock-solid character guys in Ryan O'Reilly and, and Luke Shan. And I wonder if there is some messaging there from uh, the new guy in charge in Nashville. I didn't think Luke Shan could get a third year, quite frankly, at this stage, but uh, it only takes one team. So uh, good on him and, you know, I mean, like, when it comes to character and culture carrying and all that kind of stuff. And he showed this year that a guy can still play. So yeah, like, you know, for the Canucks though, I think it does kind of come back to what the contributors all said there that, you know, this was not a year for the Vancouver Canucks to be committing uh, long-term and big dollars and they didn't. And so I think on that level, at the very least, you have to think that a day like this was a success. Yeah. And it seems like uh, teams were, they didn't really blow their brains out. There's a few contracts that I didn't 
particularly like uh, Alex Kalorn got paid big time to go down to Anaheim. That might be uh, what Lou Lamorello likes to say, too much money and too much term there. Um, But for the most part, it seems like uh, the general managers, uh, you know, they didn't go too crazy. Did anything jump off the page to you from uh, outside or outside of the Canucks around the league? There were a couple. Um, I like JT Comp for going to Detroit. I think uh, I think Detroit's starting to put some pieces together there. And of course, Steve Eiserman, we shouldn't be surprised. I like Bunting going to Carolina. I think that's a good, I think Carolina did it, did some good work. I think Carolina yeah. had a good day with yeah. Bunting and Orlov again. You know, I mean, they're already got a really good defense core, but, you know, does that allow them to trade Brett Pesci and address other areas? Uh, Bunting gives them some edge. And I think that was maybe a knock on them at playoff time that, you know, they just a little too easy to play against. So yeah, I would say Carolina, um, pretty good day for them. Otherwise, uh, you know, I, I, I was looking for the overpayments, and that's why I said, like, I, there was nothing that really stood out at me as absolutely crazy talk. So, uh, and don't get me wrong, like, I think Lauren's a great player. It's just, it's a lot of term, right? <laughs> and and after all the years of excellence in Tampa to wind up in Anaheim, uh, Troy Stetcher going back to yeah, Arizona for another go round. Well, Kalorn went for the money, clearly. Like, at that point, yeah. I'll say this much, I'm a little surprised, and, and again, it's July, so they don't start playing until the fall, but uh, the Los Angeles Kings... Are they really going to go with Phoenix Copley and Cam Talbot as their goaltenders? Like, are they going to grind through until the trade deadline and then try and find somebody uh, and do like they did with Corpusello? You know, I'm glad Ottawa. Like, I don't know if Corpusello is the guy, but I'm glad Ottawa like tried to find a goaltender because I, I I'm kind of curious to see what they do in Ottawa. Like, I like all the good young talent they've got there, but goaltending let them down, and I you know they had some injuries in that position, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was one of the guys that I guess I was watching to see where was Corpus going to wind up. But it just seems to me like the Los Angeles Kings, they've been a playoff team the last couple of years. Uh, they go make the Dubois deal. You know, they're studs down the middle. And then, I don't know, like maybe they're taking the Vegas approach that they're going to build a, you know, a better team out front and just hope that adequate goaltending can get the job done. But that seems like a, a risky proposition because, you know, they've run into Edmonton in the last two playoff years and, you kind of need some goaltending to get past the Oilers. Do you think the Canucks missed out? Is it, was there somebody that you would have liked? To, like I, I know Scott Mayfield was one of those guys that we were yep. sort of zeroing in on. He got himself a, a really long contract uh, to remain on the island. Was there somebody that got away that you would have you would have liked the Canucks to have signed? No, um, you know I was always in on Bugstad just because of the right shot and the size, and so um, again they've done this now for what I mean. Two years, three years. I guess they had Curtis Lazar, but he didn't play center much for them. But it looks like they're going to go with a bunch of lefties down the middle. And it just seems weird that, you know, again, can you do it? Sure. But if it's an option to have a right shot center, you'd think that you would want that in your arsenal somewhere. And so I'm a little surprised with Patterson Miller and now Bluger and Nils Amon. You've got four left-handed centers. So I kind of thought Nick Bucad made a lot of sense for the Vancouver Canucks, but... Uh, whatever the case, uh, they wanted to go in uh, in a different direction. Bukestad headed to Arizona, two-year deal there, uh, 2.1 uh, AAV per year. Yeah, and so like that to me, I mean, you're paying Teddy Bluger 1.9. I think I could have found the money to get to two years and that dollar figure for a guy like Nick Bukestad. Is it, do you think it's the penalty killing perhaps that, you know, God Bluger that, uh, that yeah. contract with the Yeah, Canucks? quite possibly, yeah. 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 
The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. All right, the free agent frenzy is presented by our buddy Jason Hominick at jason.mortgage. I think a lot of these NHL front offices could have used a Jason Hominick on a day like today. They're looking to save some money. That's what Jason does uh, for people that are in the housing market. Of course, NHL free agents, uh, they're in a different market entirely, although some will be in the housing market now. Maybe Jason can latch on to a few of these uh, new signees here with the Vancouver Canucks. But if you're in the housing market, you're looking for some professional help to get you the best product possible when it comes to mortgages. That's what Jason Hominick does. So check him out. Check out his website, jason.mortgage. You can familiarize yourself uh, with him and his work and then make the phone call, get him on your side because ultimately it's about saving money and that's what Jason Hominick does for Rinkwide listeners. All right. You want to make some money? Sure. Maybe you want to put down some uh, bets on Bodog because they've got some futures out, NHL awards. They've got uh, for next year's Hart, next year's Norris, next year's Vesna. Let's stick on the Canucks. EP40 plus 6,600 for the Hart. Quinn Hughes plus 20,000 for the Hart. Uh, Norris Hughes plus 1,500. He's got the six lowest odds there. And for the Vesna, Demko plus 2,800. Out of all of those, which one do you think has the best chance to hit? Uh, we've talked about this in the past, different times. I, I still think Demko is the guy that could emerge. I think Quinn Hughes would have to play his way through this forest, as we said, in game ninth in this year's Norris balloting. And EP40, you know, I, I, he could have a great season, but he's in the Connor McDavid era, and I just think that's going to be difficult. But I, I do think Demko uh, has shown flashes where he can be at that elite level if he got there and stayed there. Of those three, I think that's probably where I would plunk my money. I just like the fact that Quinn Hughes is actually mentioned here on the Hart uh, yeah, trophy like list yeah. as well. That's kind of cool. Listen to this. Connor McDavid is even money. Yeah. Even money. The second to him is Nathan McKinnon at 9-1, to one, but even money for Connor McDavid uh, to win the Hart. So head over to Bodog, place your bets. All right. Final question for me to you. Mm-hmm. How much better today are the Vancouver Canucks? Well, I, I think you have to look at it from their own stated objective of being a playoff team. And penalty killing sunk them. They went out, they spent some money. And I do think that these guys that they bring in today should shore up the penalty kill. Now, important to remember, though, one year ago, if you roll the clock back a year ago, they spent about $6 million on Ilya Mikheyev and Curtis Lazar, and they were both brought in to help the penalty kill. And that didn't happen. Now, McKayev got hurt and was never 100%. Lazar never really found his fit. But whatever the case, just throwing money at the penalty kill doesn't guarantee that it's going to get fixed. So these guys have to come in and they've got to hold up their end of the bargain. But I do think it's a step in the right direction. And then, as we said, Teddy Bluger as well. I don't know what you're going to get out of him offensively, but if he can contribute and take some of the load off some of the other guys, then that can be a contribution. But back to the question about the playoffs now, like these are all complementary pieces, and 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 the Canucks would be the first to tell you that they weren't going out and signing one of the big fish in free agency. So, you know, what is their path to the playoffs? It remains 
exactly as it did yesterday and the day before that. It's Elias Pettersson having another huge season. It's Quinn Hughes having another monster year on the back end. It's the addition of Philip Hronik helping and making that defense core better. It's Thatcher Demko staying healthy and playing the way he did down the stretch. It's Andre Kuzmenko coming somewhere close to the kind of season that he had in his first year in the National Hockey League. But, you know, bringing in Carson Soucy and Ian Cole and Teddy Bluger, that doesn't make Brock Besser any better. It doesn't make Connor Garland any better. Like the, the question marks remain around those guys. Uh, Dakota Joshua, is he able to take a step or is he what he showed us last year? And is that sort of his ceiling? So, you know, there were a lot of questions around the Vancouver Canucks. They fell short of the playoffs last year. There were a lot of reasons why, but just adding these three pieces to me, I'm not sure that they make the Canucks good enough to be an absolute lock to be a playoff team that, you know, again, these guys can come in and they can help and they should help, but it's still on the backs of the key pieces of this hockey club. And so, you know, we'll see big summer in the words of Rick Tockett, and we'll see if some of those best players have a big summer and are ready to hit the ground running when the season begins on the 11th of October. Well, yeah, we'll see if they can take that step. And uh, and yeah, I mean, maybe they can improve and maybe, you know, we can get more out of, you know, players like Elias Pettersson, JT Miller, Brock Besser, Connor Garland, the guys that you want to score for the team. But uh, we'll have to wait and see because that'll all begin in October. All right, this has been another edition of the Rinkwide Vancouver Podcast presented by Bodog for Jeff Patterson. I'm Andrew Wadden. Remember, Rinkwide is the show. It's